it is time to strengthen your faith. Deepen your understanding of the Word of God. Move from poverty to prosperity and rest in the wealthy place. Join Dr. Osara Emafai, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Gospel Church, Lagos, Nigeria, and founder of Ed John School of Management, and alumnus of Oxford University, Kernfield University, Hertfordshire University, and University of Lagos. One informative, educative, and impactful program, wealthy place. I want to thank everyone that sent us their feedback on the very first episode of Whose Child Are You? And I'm welcoming you today to this episode of The Worthy Place. So I will be taking the second part of that topic, Whose Child Are You? In part one, we said whose child we are often determines our destiny, often determines where we go. And so today I want to take you to the three domains of whose child are we. There are three domains. There are three categories. So those categories define the families where we are born into, families where we grew up in. And so it's important that you then know which of the domains were you born? And what can you do in any of these three domains? And that is the essence of today's episode. As usual, my name is Dr. Osaimo Pai, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Church. Now, the three domains that usually we capture the family we come from are one. We call it the endorsed identity. The endorsed identity. So if you are from a family that is characterized by endorsed identity, there are the functional aspect of endorsed identity and there could actually be uh, very bad outcomes associated with the endorsed identity. The second category is what we call the differentiated model. The differentiated model. And also this, there are good things in it, and there could always be things that are not so good about the differentiated model of a family that we belong. Thirdly and finally, is the category we call the monolithic category. So if you came in from a family, or you are in a family that dwells within the paradigm of the monolithic family, it will also determine it has its own consequences and its own outcomes. It, de it determines what exactly you become or one becomes in life. So I want to start with that last one, the monolithic family or the what I call the monolithic model. This category, this category is a category that binds every single one in that family to a single fate. That binds every single one to a single fate. So it binds everyone to a single destiny. 
a single outcome in life. In this our life journey, everyone within that monolithic paradigm is what happens to what happens to the other. That is why you find some families, you know, they don't live long. Everyone there die or die young. It belongs to the monolithic family. So many families are like that. You get some families that are diabetic. Every single one is diabetic in their family. You may know some of them. You see some, they are just imperiled by hypertension. It's within this category, what we call the monolithic family. So, so the monolithic family is like a cage. It's actually like a cage. We have some family members are bundled and huddled together in their destiny and in their destination in life. A little more on that, on that category. So what that then means that your life is totally determined, totally determined by the family, your biological family. So your biogenetics, DNA, and several other causes sometimes we really do not know. That can be linked to spiritual or to other sources. All those hem, those who belong to that category. The differentiated category. So everyone in that family has a different identity. So that you were born onto a family, one family does not mean you will carry the identity of that family throughout your life. So it's a very special, there's some anointing for that kind of family. And you know, and there are anointing, there are blessings, also there are also some outcomes that are not particularly good if you belong to that kind of family. So you find always two sides. It depends on which side you are navigating, which side you are. You know, genotypes can be different. As I said, different outcomes in life coming out. Even whether you came out from the same womb, is immaterial in this category. It can result from biological, spiritual, or even prophetic foundations. I will just use a family to give an example. And that family, you can read about them in Genesis uh, 49, verses 1 to 27. You can actually spend some time and look at it. But for the purpose of this, because it's a long, it's a long scripture, I'll go straight on to... Uh, some of these members, members of this family, that were that were under a prophetic cover, a prophetic announcement, you know, and where the prophetic announcement actually intercepted the biogenetics, you know, when you, the intercession of these two frames, if you like, then determined who these people became. And I want to take them one by one. Number one is Reuben. You know, Jacob had 12 sons. And number one was Reuben. Based on the prophetic pronouncement about his life, that's why the fact that they all came from the same seed of Jacob. You find the outcomes of their lives were all different. That's why we call it differentiated model. And see this prophetic thing about him. Unstable, you'll be unstable. Not excelling. Why is it not going to excel? There was something that was contingent that was a precursor to that. It has to do with the life of defilement that he lived 
and defilement he took his father's head into. So you find that despite from Jacob, but there was an action he took that when they then came together, the name Reuben didn't quite command anything good, particularly. They like to look at Simeon, the second son. It's anger and murder. And if you go and just look at what really happened unto the life of Simeon and all those generations after him, this prophetic declaration over his life actually went through third, fourth generation, and even more generations. What of the Le what of Levi? Of course, where the Levitical order ultimately came from. There was issue of anger and murder associated as well, but in the mercy of God, so the Holy Spirit was able to intercept all that were around Levi, uh, so that they were now were possible for them to play some role, you know, in the temple within the Levitical order. Now Judah, okay, Judah, that was the fourth child. So if you look at Judah, there are two dimensions to Judah's life. Number one is that he was going to carry on now. And that's why today when you talk about Judah, you talk about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that is only the center point of Judah. You know, he will carry honor. And the scepter and the blessing of God and the rod of God will never depart from his hand. Now the fifth child, Dan. And you see, he was called the judge. But it was going to be like a serpent. And all those now affected the life of Dan. What of Natalie? You see, the prophetic order in which Natalie operated was somebody who carried goodness, good works, everywhere he went. And that's a prophetic pronouncement upon the life of Natalie. So I'm still working on the differentiated model. So in other words, that they came from the same seed did not mean they were going to be tied to the same destiny. And that's why I'm thinking about you could life of Natalie. The word a word of God, you know, which is the seventh child, overcomer. And you go and train his lineage, every single challenge they were able to overcome such challenges. Asha. And Asha, the eighth child, the eighth son of Jacob. And uh, he was just such a prosperous person. Was such a prosperous. Everything about him was prosperous. So when we talk about five levels of the worthy place, I suspect, I have not read in detail about his life, but the little I read about his life is that I could see he was moving, oscillating, and moving on, step by step, you know, in the line of prosperity. Because there was that prophetic impact upon his life, despite whose seed he was. What of Issachar? You know, so many people don't know about Issachar in the scriptures. You know, the children of Issachar. But what the meaning of Issachar means strong. That was the prophetic agenda for that name, Issachar, strong. So it's not surprising. When all through scripture we talk about children of Issachar, and number 10 is Zebulon. Zebulon was going to dwell, if you go to Israel, for instance, you see the Dead Sea, you see River Jordan, you then see uh, all kinds of things, particularly if you want to stay between the country Jordan and Israel, you can actually see each other across the different countries and all that place. And Zebulon, prophetically, was to live by the side of the sea. So, of 
because they were fishermen, they were doing great things. They were prosperous because they were dwelling and appropriating things from the sea. Then Joseph, the second child. You see, Joseph, the second child, uh, you look at the two songs of J Joseph when you know, Ephraim and Manasseh, when they were going to be given uh, the goodness, the entitlement of their father, they were given two portions. Because Joseph was a, the carrier of the generational blessings of the family of Jacob. So you can begin to see how differentiated these are. And finally, let me tell Benjamin, you know, that can be also linked to um, you know, some beautiful lady in the scripture that ultimately was married by David. So Benjamin came out to overcome and carry love. He was, he carried love. Love was just a part of his DNA. And prophetically, it was pronounced upon him there will be a carrier of love to everywhere. And so, when you go to the clan of Benjamin today in Israel, you will see their hospitality, you will see the goodness of God in their lives. So, life outcomes were a result of prophetic declarations upon them and the choices also they made. That was also issues of different uh, levels of grace and the intensity of grace in each of the lives of these people. Now let me take the final one for this episode and that is the endorsed identity model. So if you belong to the, a family that carries the endorsed identity anointing, the endorsed identity model, these are the kinds of things that tend to be associated with it. The outcome of the lives of the members of the family are often different, but can actually be supported. That's when we talk about foundation. When you are looking at um, Psalm 11 verse 3, it actually plays a key role in helping to situate the endorsed identity model. So, biological and social equities define the lives of the members of this family. In this place, family and individual identities, they intersect. But when they intersect, it depends on the kind of percentage. So if you take at it in that intersection, that midpoint, we take a hundred, continuum, and there's intersection 50-50. Sometimes you don't really know where this family is tilting to. To more often than not, when it tilts more onto the individual as against the family, there are consequences associated with that. So when the individual identity, for instance, exceeds 50 out of 100, just take what I'm sharing with you now, because these are secrets that you need to know, so that you can go and begin to look at the spiritual underlying, underpinning of exactly what I'm sharing with you. So when the individual identity exceeds 50, you get to 51 and beyond. It tends to be defined more within the differentiated model. So the endorsed model doesn't quite work when your own identity begins to move beyond 51% within the continuum that is there. However, you know, at this kind of this the choices you then make, the belief system that you then carry, the grace that goes with you. The character profile and the attitude that you then carry, actions we take become extremely important 
to what will become in life. And that's why it's so important for each and every one to try to identify. You will know your unique family base where you are. Are you within the adult identity one? Are you within the differentiated? Are you in any of these families? Um, the adult identity one? Or indeed in a monolithic. So it's important to find out because you see, if you do not understand these foundational principles, you just find that you waste one can waste one's life on it. You don't achieve purpose. And particularly the three levels of purpose, the you know, the paradigm, the macro and the micro, you never really achieve this. And also, you know, as an earlier episode, I was able to also look at it in terms of the paradigm the dimension and the significance. You really never get to a level of significance if you do not understand these underlying fundamentals about your family and about your life. So because when you know this, you are able to take action, you are able to do something. You know, in, in case there is working against you, your family name, your family background is working against you, then you can exactly know what action to take. It's like in medicine, evidence-based medicine. You really can, a doctor can apply begin to give you anything when you don't, it doesn't really know what is wrong with you. That's why we do x-ray, we do all kinds of tests. And I want to encourage us to be doing spiritual tests and exercise every single day. Because that is exactly what I do every evening. I try to put myself and wait, you know, mirror myself, you know, on, on godly, uh, godly, godly, desire concerning my life. I weigh myself every evening. I do that every day. And uh, some people who are sufficiently close to us, we know that uh, from time to time, I call people in the evenings. Um, last week or the other week, I called two families and apologized to those two families. You know, in a way, two families, I said, really, uh, I think in some way, maybe I said something you didn't like. I am sorry. It's more because I am checking my, I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I need to check myself every single day. And that's my encouragement to everyone. Try to do that. If you're truly a child of God, check yourself every day. Because there's no guarantee that when you close your eyes, those eyes will open the next day. There's no guarantee about it. And because there's no guarantee, then you need to know before your eyes will close in the night, check yourself. If there are areas you need to reconcile yourself to God, if there are areas where you need to deal with, deal with those areas before you go to bed. Because if you do not do it, uh, we, we, you never know where you end up. You go and end up in hell. Despite all the great, great work you may have done for God on this side of eternity. And like I said, I, I had to apologize to two people uh, last week. One very senior leader in our organization. And another one, of, of course, also an elder in the organization. I just felt led in my spirit. You know, that I needed to talk to them before I went to bed. And I apologized to them. And I was delighted that both of them accepted my apology. So it's important because, you see, God spoke about it. If you have something good, you are bringing on to God. You want to come to pray to God. You want to ask for anything. He said, if you have any challenge with your brother, you have anything with us, say, go and say to him first. Go and say to him first. That's the bane of Christianity all over the world today. Today, I tend to hear ministers focusing every time. Prayer, 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 prayer is everything. Prayer, prayer is not everything. Prayer is not. In fact, prayer is actually the last. I know this will stir some controversy. Prayer is actually the last. 
The first thing God is interested in about you is about your heart. That's the first thing. And then your relationship with him. It's not prayer. And so when we begin to major or minor, you find that you pray through and nothing happens in your life. Because your heart is not right with God. Your life is not right with him. You know, you don't have a relationship with him. Because it's a child you have a relationship with that you actually want to listen to, you give access to. So you don't have a relationship with him. And you are praying. So I see some people say, oh, in my church, we pray and pray and pray and pray till the day nobody stands up. Check your heart condition first. Is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with your brother? It's when your heart is right. It's when you are sanctified. Because every prayer of a sinner to God is an abomination. So in other words, when you choose to, to pray for 31 days, and there's so much sin in your life, to God is an abomination. It will kill you. Because the way God is a merciful God, God also is a consuming fire. In the place of your prayer, it can consume you there. Because evil is all over your life. Evil is all over your heart. You are not humble. You are so arrogant. You are so cocky. You lift yourself up like Lucifer. When Lucifer had to begin to lift himself above, above all the other angels. Because Lucifer was, a, was an angel of God. And he lifted himself above all the other angels. And wanted to equate himself with God. And what did God do? He threw him out from the third heaven. And today he's wandering everywhere, tormenting people everywhere. So Lucifer, it is. So those who carry the spirit of Lucifer, they can pray from now till eternity. The prayer is never answered. So I encourage you to pray. You have a problem, I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to, be, to do the things fast and pray because there are some things that the Bible says if we do not fast and pray, it may not we may not actually be able to achieve that. Yeah, it is good. But that is not the first thing. The first thing, what is the condition of your heart? What, how sanctified are you under God? Do you actually work with the principles enunciated in the word of God? That is where that is a certain point. So when you start from there, your prayer life, when you then just pray, before five minutes of prayer, your prayers are answered. So but when you've not dealt with those fundamentals, you've not dealt with your heart condition, You've not dealt with your soul, your mind, condition. you've not renewed your mind. You've not dealt with your relationship with God, and relationship with your brothers and sisters, with your spouses and your children and all those ones. You have not dealt with them. Don't waste time in a place of prayer because to God, God actually, it actually angers God. When a sinner, who knows of his sin, and is not ready to deal with it, when you are praying, God, it actually makes God angry. That is why he said the prayer of a sinner is an abomination before God. Now, because I worked as a brand manager when I was very young, as a brand manager, my, when I was then a brand manager, there was the issue of about branding. Branding. Branding is about how you build an identity for a product. So if you have any product, let me assume you have soap and you want to sell soap. The kind of Oreo you build around it, the packaging you give onto it, the kind of perfume you put into it, more often than not, helps you to define the branding. And of course, to build that all around, a halo around it, the kind of marketing you do, and the promotion you do. And within that promotion means you have advertising. All these are essentially to build the brand. That's also the same way our lives are. So, 
Every single human being in some way is a brand. A Mopai, I come from the Mopai family, it's a brand. And because of that brand, there are certain benefits that come to that brand. Because of the way that brand, the choice made for the brand, and the brand itself made for itself over time. So it then defines the brand. I know I tried to discuss that in some extensive way when I worked on the first part of whose family you are. So you see the brand. The other time I was checking on the on the Kennedys, for instance. So there is a brand that's associated with that name. In other words, the product, the oil around them, the way they are packaged and the way they are presented everywhere to go. So what does that brand evoke? Does it evoke something good or something bad? And those of you who remember the election of the first African to be president of America, the brand Barack Hussein had to be linked to the brand the Kennedys. So there was a connection. And so the Kennedys gave him you know, the stepping stone because of the strength and the power in the brand called the Kennedys. And so, but how did Barack assess the benefit of that? How did Barack Hussein Obama assess it? He assessed it by humility. Barack was a senator. This Kennedy was a senator. Well, he was an older senator. He was about 30 years older than Barack. And so what did Barack do? So to be able to assess the anointing in that name, Barack will always go to the Kennedys and say, look, the Kennedy, Baba Kennedy, what can I do for you? So do you know what? Then Kennedy was always giving assignment to Barack. So Barack was always going out, you know, to do assignments for Kennedy. They will ask Kennedy to come and do a lecture somewhere. He will give it to Barack. Can you help me go and deliver that lecture? Can you go and help me do this? When both of them were going on, despite that they... They, 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 in an environment that, you know, sometimes there's very little respect for elders. But this man chose not to follow that path. He would follow the path of God. For the junior one to honor the elderly one. So he will carry his back. So on the day that Kennedy became president, if you remember for those who watched it, Barack became president, Kennedy was sitting there, he collapsed on his chair, he was rushed to the hospital, a few days later he died. But do you know one thing he had done? That branding of the Kennedys gave a platform to the Obamas. And so Kennedy lived his own life. He lived his own purpose. Like we find in Corinthians in, uh, in Acts 13 about, about David. You see, it's not how long you live on earth. Ken, uh, David only lived 70, 3 score and 10. He didn't live more than that. I'm not aware of anybody greater than David if you are talking about the story of the Israelites, of the Jews. That's why Jesus himself, when you talk about Jesus, you say son of David. You don't say son of Solomon or son of anybody else. But this man lived 70 years. So it's not how long you live on earth for you to fulfill purpose. So the Kennedy, after has fulfilled that, he has been able to create a platform for a black man for the first time to become the president of America. He died. Fulfill purpose. And Barack branding started on the foundation of the Kennedys. And that's why I will be asking you, because I'm going to be taking an episode 
on who mentors you. I'm going to have you three episodes on mentoring. You know, because who mentors you, who you honor, who you treasure in your life, ultimately will determine what your life becomes. And that is why it's very important, very, very important, beloved friends, that taking this time, if it's just the last, this day I was going to be giving out. Interestingly, it's not going to be the last because uh, my father didn't die until 90 and my mother 87. So I still have a long way to go. You'll see me more and more because I'm going to be coming and building on this we are, we are sharing today. And as we share on these things, all of us will go together. Because the, the issue is all about the wedding place. Do you know one thing about the wedding place this? The wedding place actually, the utmost part, the fifth level of the wedding place is actually the kingdom of God. That's if, you know, maybe I've not shared that with you since we started this episode. The fifth level is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to thank you for being a part of this episode today. Thank you for listening. Until I see you again, may the good Lord bless you richly in Jesus' name. Amen. <music>